Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing. I am simply a mouthpiece for good people from around the world who want to make a difference. The engagement and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed. The only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up episode, and today we're following up on episode 322, Psych Part 2. I'm your host, Bob Ruff. And I'm your co-host, Mike Bussing. These last two episodes have been really interesting when I'm watching the feedback from all of you. So many people have such strong feelings about psychics and John Catching specifically, uh, and it's spurred a lot of discussion about different theories, stuff that's been discussed before, and even some new theories. Yeah, we got a lot of listener feedback from this one, so let's go ahead and get started. Okay, our first message comes from Serata. She writes, I'm sure this is not relevant to the actual investigation, but is it normal to have transcripts of interviews with psychics? Seems really unusual and lucky. And did Catchings do his own transcriptions from audio? I think at some point you did mention that the police did the transcripts because the sound quality on the recording was so bad. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So Ken Gove took the tape to Detective Royster. Royster said that he couldn't hear it. The audio quality was pretty bad. So we sent it down to be transcribed, and that's where the transcript came from. So I did find it interesting that Royster was interested enough in what Catchings had to say to go through the trouble of having it transcribed and having it included into the uh, the police file. So far, and we're still going through this 500 pages of documents piece by piece, but we don't know if Royster ever did anything with it or commented about it or anything, but we know that at least he did have it transcribed because the audio quality was bad. Okay. Our next message is from Christopher. He says, okay, first off, I don't believe in the paranormal and think mediums and psychics are all frauds. In saying that, looking at cases from all angles may help in breaking something loose. In this case, Catchings is a pro. He knows what to say and how to say it. I understand why he broke some cases not by some magic, but from sound lines of logic. He should have taught a detective course since I could understand his line of thinking better than most reports from professionals I have read. If this was his method of looking into the case he was hired to solve, I would call him more of an amazing PI rather than a psychic. So I think that that post really sums up uh, what a lot of people are thinking about uh, John Catching's delivery here. 
the fact that he sort of presents himself as more of a private investigator or, or a logical thinker than this mystical psychic type person. Let's talk about first, Bob, what are your feelings on John Catchins and psychics in general? I don't pretend to know if it, so <laughs> it's easy to say I don't believe in psychics. I have no reason to believe in psychics, right? It sounds crazy, but I also don't think that I am the smartest person on the planet either. I mean, there's there's things that I don't know or understand. There are things that are unexplained. So maybe psychics are a real thing. Maybe there's different religions and faiths that have that wouldn't say a psychic, but would call somebody a prophet or a seer, or you know, depending on the different faiths and things like that. So there, you know, throughout history, for thousands of years, there's been people that have been held up as someone who can um, see things uh, that whether it's like see the future or see what's happened, right. Some people just say they would have intuition, ESP, whatever you want to call it. So I, I, I can't say one way or another whether I believe in psychics. I just I what I believe is that I don't understand everything. So maybe there is. Now, regarding John Catchings, what I like about him was I think they're right. Like he does present himself more as a private investigator. What I like like it's <laughs> it's not like he sat down with Ken Gove and like pulled a crystal ball out of a bowling bag and started ooh i can see that like that's not what he was doing he he asked questions so i think that if being a psychic is actually a thing and, and let's let's say that you know being a psychic maybe means uh, there's someone who you know again like some face would call a seer somebody who sees things that have happened could we define him as just someone who has a really strong intuition maybe i don't know that's the problem is i don't know how to define him and i'm not and i don't want to there, I guarantee you, there are people listening right now that wholeheartedly believe in psychics, yeah, right, or, or mediums, or that, or that, or that have had experiences. Mm -hmm. Definitely, one thing we can take away from the interview with Catchings is the way he did present his um, abilities. You could say so, like he never said, "I see this," or right, or you know, like like you said, looking into a glass ball or something like that. He was very professional about it, or very uh, realistic. Yeah, I, yeah, well, yeah, because that's what. So I'm thinking. A couple of things that could be happening here. So either John Catchings is just a complete quack, which I, I don't think that that's true because he has had a lot of success with like he that one that we talked about last week on the follow up. Yeah, um, it wasn't Unsolved Mysteries that other show where that guy from Ennis, Texas, the cop that was like, I don't want anything to do with this guys. They're quacks. And then he actually listened to him, followed the leads, and then found this kid's body with a shoe on top, just like Catchings had described. So that he he's become notorious, or he had become notorious throughout this time for being accurate. So does that mean he's a good profiler? Does that mean he's just a, a good PI, like like uh, like Psych, you know, right. the TV show? Yeah. Or is there something there? So what he's doing, he's asking for information, and it's not like you know, like a circus sideshow. You know, like he he wasn't telling Ken that you know I can connect you and and, and have you talk to Key out. It was it was nothing like that. He was. He was listening and, and started to come up with some hypotheses, really. But then what I noticed is the language, when reading some of the language, where it was very strong, like where he would say, Judy did witness something happening, but she didn't see somebody being drugged into a car. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and that and the, and the Ronnie Blackwell, what, and he didn't know Ronnie's name or any of his history in that, but he's saying that Ronnie was involved in this. You know, it's, it's, so he's, he's saying he's speaking in kind of absolutes, which to me tells me there's, whether it's intuition or whatever it is that, that he's convinced of that. And, and, he, and then he's like looking tactically, realistically, I think, like you said, how do we get that information out? So, yeah. if and, and and to be honest, he might have been right. The police never leaned on Ronnie Blackwell. They never pushed him. They never did. Like I think if if the police had done what John Catching suggested with Ronnie Blackwell, 
who knows? Who knows what would have happened then? Yeah. That's where I mean, so I, I guess I don't have a good answer to do I believe in psychics or what do I think of John Catchings? It's just I'm open to it. Like, what do you think? What are your feelings on it? As the person who played John Catchings for two weeks on Truth and Justice. Yeah. Yeah, it was the rule of a lifetime. <laughs> um, personally, I don't believe in psychics. I think that there are people that have really strong intuitions and really uh, uh, logical minds, and they can put pieces together, and they're really, really good, um, pay really good attention to detail, and they're able to create likely scenarios similar to what you do as an investigator. So, really, somebody could say the same thing about you. You know, you have really mm -hmm. good attention to detail. You can tie things together really well uh, in a logical way and create a narrative. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Were there, were there other listeners that had other opinions or things to say about the psychic before we get off that topic? Yeah, there's one here I want to read from Paul Vanette because I really do agree with this. He writes, psychics rely entirely on people forgetting the misses and remembering the hit. A single wow hit can make an entire career. What this post does to me is it kind of explains how in a realistic world, these psychics can have careers and be respected and people can actually think, hey, this guy might have some kind of special abilities. Yeah, so you kind of say throw throw a bunch of stuff against the wall and see what sticks. See what sticks. Those are the people who make it, and they keep going with these psychic careers. Yeah. I don't feel so far like John Catchings is a fraud. Again, like to me, the fraud is the person that sits down and with a crystal ball and tells you they can, you know, they ask all these questions and they can predict, you know, the future or whatever, whatever it is. I think that he comes across as very real, uh, very, like he said, I'm not always right. So I, I, I think that. He probably used the moniker of a psychic because that was the way for him to make his living. But I think the reality of it is he was aware that he has, you know, a really good intuition, you know, and, and maybe it isn't a psychic intuition. Right. You know, when he says that he pieces these together and he thinks this way, and, he, and like I said, he says, I'm not always right. Well, I, I don't think somebody who's proclaiming to be really believes that they have some supernatural psychic power would say, I'm not always right. Mm -hmm. I don't think that would happen. So I, I don't think that he was a fraud in the way that he presented himself, at least not in this case. But then you have weird things like him saying, I'm seeing, in that other case, I'm seeing a shoe on top of the grave. Yeah. So that's a different story. So it'd be, I'm, when, when we're all done with this, I'd like just for my own personal to go back and look more into John. Anybody else have anything to say before we get off the topic? No, let's go ahead and move on. On the show, Catchings discusses with Kenneth how Kiel may have seen her killers doing something that could have incriminated them, a drug dealer or something like that, which led to an altercation. And also, some listeners suggested that Mama Judy might have witnessed the assault of a different woman, not Kiao. Yeah, there was a lot. I think there was some confusion in what John Catchings was saying in the interview. So he was saying that, from my understanding of it, that he believed that Judy saw something. She saw an attack, and she knows more than she's letting on. But he said that he does not believe that she saw these these men or boys dragging Kiao down the sidewalk. So I think a lot of listeners thought that he meant, well, she must have seen someone else being dragged down the sidewalk. But I don't think that's what he meant at all. What he was saying was that she witnessed something with the car being parked there and, and maybe saw the attack or something happened, but she changed the story because his his opinion was that Judy was trying to do the right thing and help the killer get caught, but trying to distance her son Ronnie from it as much as possible. Because he, catching suggestion is that Ronnie was either involved, uh, possibly indirectly, or at least knows what happened, and she doesn't want him to be involved. So what he's suggesting is that Judy saw something, she's changing the story a bit, 
to try to distance Ronnie from the story. I don't think that he's suggesting that Judy did witness that, but it was someone else being dragged down the sidewalk. Okay. Okay, and then Morgan writes to us, I remember hearing someone, I thought it was Sylvia, talking about how Kia was having trouble with a neighbor who was a woman who would come over when Kia was not at home, and that Kia was quite upset about this. Do we know if Rosie Simons was the neighbor with whom Kia was having words? Uh, we don't know that, and that was actually uh, Loretta Christopher, Kia's friend from school, that had said that. Okay. Yeah, you know, when I asked if there was, if she ever had any problems, and she just said no, she was just... But I, I don't even know that... I have to go back to the interview and listen, but I don't think that Kia ever had words with this person. I think she would complain to Loretta uh, that the neighbor, which the way I took it mean was her friend. That she was friends with someone close by that when she would come back from her walk would be like waiting at her house for her. And she didn't like someone being at her house when she wasn't there. Right. Um, and so we don't neighbor is such a broad term. Like we have no idea. So Rosie Simons did live right next door. Uh, and there's, of course, another house on the other side right next door. But then someone that lives three doors down could also be considered a neighbor uh, that would come over. So I personally kind of think the whole neighbor at her house thing is kind of a red herring. I don't see how it really has much to do with this. It was just basically Kiao being annoyed because her friend keeps going to her house when she's not there. Okay, this is some really good discussion, but I'm going to have to stop us right here so we can take a break, hear from our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Let's get back to it. Listener John Hayes writes to us, It's stupid that the police supposedly ruled out kids to Ken because they would quickly turn on each other. Kids in Pleasant Grove would often know who did something. And even with punishment offered, if nobody spoke, nobody would ever speak. So, in other words, the police wrote off it being kids. What do you think about this? I think it's stupid. I mean, the police should never should have wrote anyone off in this case. They didn't talk to any of the kids. So, so yeah, they did kind of, they told Ken Gove, apparently. And that's and that was one of the big, powerful things from reading that transcript. It wasn't so much that, you know, John Catchings is going to point us to the killer. It was an opportunity to get inside the mind of Ken Gove and to know the things that weren't in the police report, right? So, So he's saying that the detectives, Royster, told him that it couldn't have been kids because they would have ratted each other out. And that's ridiculous. Rat them out to who? They didn't interview any kids. I mean, there's nowhere in the police report where they went and interviewed any kids. And I think what John's indicating here is that in Pleasant Grove, the, quote, Grove rats are going to stick together. Now, if you lean on one of them, if, say, Ronnie Blackwell was brought into the police station, like John Catchings had suggested, and was was leaned on pretty hard, I think you might have got some information out of him. They didn't do that with anybody. So the fact that the kids didn't rat on any other kids, they, they literally would have had to make an effort. Like, call the police and say, hey, I know who did this. Mm-hmm. 
in with juveniles, number one in that group, you have kids that are kind of, you know, they're always making kind of a, a crew or a, a gang and trying to be tough, you know, so they're not going to just go rat anybody out for no reason. And then you have the fact that none of them were ever questioned or given a reason to rat anybody out. So there's no reason to believe that they would have. So, yeah, I think that if, if what Ken Gove was saying is true, that Royster told him that it couldn't be kids because they would have ratted each other out is ridiculous because they never had the opportunity to do so. They're not going to go out of their way to tell the police someone else did this. Right. Okay, Sarah writes to us, Hi, all. In all the documentation discussion with people interviewed in the podcast, has anyone ever come across a mention of what direction Kiao's body was laying inside the fence? I'm mainly interested in what direction her head was pointed toward or away from September. I reread Officer Marceau and paramedic Greg's testimonies, but don't see mention of it. Maybe it was elsewhere. Uh, then Paul Day followed up with, based on the sparse data and photos I have worked with, her feet were pointed northeasterly and her head was to the southwest. However, Bob may have some new info on the police reports he received that shed more light on this question. So, Bob, do you have anything else? Not that I've found so far. We do have a few new crime scene photos that we didn't have before. And, of course, they're photocopies, but they're a little clearer than what we had. And we'll be getting those in the weeks to come. But I haven't come across anything that indicates what direction she was facing as far as... And so Paul, kind of probably default to Paul right here, because I know that he's like taking photos and little bits of testimony. He's working with Jill and Adam also and kind of piecing together what direction she was facing. Yeah. Personally, I've always assumed that she was in some way perpendicular to... Danny Stanberry's house because he said that he looked out and he saw her there with her knees up. But I guess that's just always an image I had in my mind was her kind of sideways. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I, I suppose you could tell her knees were up even if she was facing away from you. I, I guess it doesn't really matter. But um, no, I don't have a good answer to that. There's just and, and I'm sure with Paul, too, it's probably, you know, some educated speculation, meaning probably looking at photos of where the blanket was, where the headband was, where the blood spot was. Uh, little bits of testimony and piecing that together. And so when, when Paul is using like north, northwest, all these things, what he's saying is that her head would be away from the fence and pointing towards the south a little bit. So at a, at a bit of an angle. Okay. And that may or may not be true. I really can't answer that. Sure. Okay. And then one last thing here, Bob. We recently found out that Ronnie Blackwell isn't in prison, as we said he was previously, but has since been released. Do we know where he is now? And are there plans to track Ronnie down or at least try to talk to him and ask him some questions? Yeah, I've already been working on trying to track Ronnie down. He is, he was in prison. He did just recently get released. And yeah, without getting into it at this point, I can see that he's already out causing trouble uh, since he's been released from prison. So hopefully we can track him down. There's a few other witnesses we're trying to track down. And I guess that's really all, all I can get into right now. But he is certainly a person of interest. Uh, and not even necessarily that he had something to do with this. But I think that there is a really good possibility that he knows who did. And so we're going to keep down that trail. And I want to reiterate right here, do not, and any of you, please listen to me here, do not go tracking down Ronnie Blackwell. Uh, don't, I know a lot, of, a lot of times people think they're doing me a favor or you know that's their kind of contribution as an Army member, but, and I appreciate that. But what happens is we're usually very strategically trying to work certain angles and to generate some of these discussions. And then someone will come out of left field and make that contact before we're ready to, and it messes things up. So, um, and, and also there's safety issues there and there's privacy issues. So just please leave that to our team. 
as far as uh, contacting any witnesses. We do not want anyone listening to contact any witnesses unless, as we said in the very first episode of this season, it's someone you know personally. If you happen to be best buddies with Ronnie Blackwell and you want to make that connection for us so that we can get him on the phone, that would be awesome. Otherwise, uh, let's let's not do that, please. Okay, that's it for social media, but I do have one voicemail that I want to go over. This one's from Allison in Massachusetts. Hi, Bob. Um, and Mike. This is Allison from Massachusetts. I've been listening for a while. Love your show. Truth and justice, obviously. So I just want to say one comment that I think the whole thing with uh, Mr. Gove going to this professional psychic about uh, trying to solve his wife's murder mystery... I just think it's absurd because he gave the psychic all this information before the psychic offered him anything. So how can you believe the psychic? And I think he might as well just be paying a friend to help brainstorm this with him. So that's my two cents, but it is interesting to listen to the episode about it, or both episodes. Okay, bye. Thank you, Allison, for sending us that message. And to address that, I've seen a lot of people saying over and over again that Ken gave John Catchings all the information. But I think that sometimes we blend information that we already knew and we assume that, say, like John Catchings already knew it. And what I mean by that is if you listen back, and we and, and actually this is my fault. I forgot to get it to Chris to get up onto the website. So he will get the transcript that we were reading off for the last two episodes up onto the truthandjusticepod.com website probably before this episode drops, because I'm going to send it to him as soon as we're done recording here. Uh, but read through it again or listen back through the episodes, and you'll see that Ken, number one, doesn't give John much information at all about Ronnie Blackwell. You'll also see that Ken didn't think Ronnie Blackwell was a suspect in any way. So he was kind of looking in a different direction, and then all of a sudden catching says, no, what they told you as far as the... He kept saying, like, three white guys and one black guy when actually it was the other way around. Uh, but I digress. It doesn't matter. He starts saying, that's wrong. The story she's telling you is not right. She saw something, but that's not what she saw. And then he goes on and he really starts focusing in on Ronnie Blackwell. And he starts saying things like, this kid is trouble. He's up to no good. He's breaking the law every day. We can catch him by following him around and catch him in the act doing a few things so we have something to hold over his head. So these are things that we know about Ronnie Blackwell, that he's been in and out of prison and whatnot. John Catchings did not know that. All he knew was Ken Gove saying something about the fact that he was into drugs or something like that. So my point is, a lot of the stuff John Catchings was talking about when he was pointing towards Ronnie Blackwell, he didn't get from Ken Gove. He was coming up with that on his own. Now, whether he'd done his own research or he was making assumptions or guesses or he was psychic ability, I don't know. But if you go back and listen again from the beginning, it's not like he was just yes-anding Ken Gove, where Ken's saying, well, I think this, and he's saying yes. I mean, he put the brakes on and said, no, there's the key right there, because Ken believed Judy, and Royster believed Judy. Catchings was the only one that didn't believe Judy, that said that's rooted in some truth, but she's changing the story to protect her son. No one has said that other than John Catchings. Now. Do with that what you will, but it's just something that I wanted to point out that he wasn't just spouting back to him the information that Ken gave him. He was making a stand. He was pretty confident. He told him to take the tape to the detectives because he was confident that that is what would lead to catching the killer. 
Okay, that's going to do it for this week's follow-up. Thank you, everybody, for your thoughts and theories. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for all the engagement and support. Also, I want to thank everybody. We launched our new podcast out of the studios, completely different from this one, the I Am The Storm podcast, and we just had incredible support from a lot of you with that new project. And thank you all so much for listening there. If you haven't already and and you want to check it out, just go look up I Am The Storm. It's on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere where you get your podcasts. Check it out. I think that you might enjoy it. And as far as Truth and Justice goes, two days from right now, of course, we're dropping episode 323. And in this episode, we're doing a couple of things. Number one, we're going to dig a little deeper into Kenneth Go. We've had some new information come up in the open records request, as well as some online research that was done by myself and some listeners. So we're going to tell you a little bit more about Kenneth Gove before we get off of his topic. And then also, in the police files this week, I discovered a document that has never been seen before and could very well lead to Jesse Eldridge's release from prison. Truth and Justice is a production of New Beginning Incorporated. Michael Bussing is our executive producer. All music for the show was created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Chris Brinkley designed, created, and maintains our website. Our logo art was created by Amanda Meyer of Willow Photo and Design. I thank our transcription team, Desiree Dunn, Sarah Hoyt, and Sarah Mueller. Also, we've had a ton, I think Mike said, over 50 people that have put in and asked to become some of our transcriptionists. We're going through that list now. I think we've got it narrowed down to two or three. I do want to say thank you to all of you who have offered to volunteer your assistance. Unfortunately, we just can't have 50 people doing this. It just gets chaotic, so we've got to narrow it down to two or three. But I want to let you know that we've read every single email. We very much appreciate all of your support and all of your offers. And as time goes on, I'm sure we'll have turnover here and there. We need to add more transcriptionists. But thank you to all of you who volunteered your time. And also thank you to all of you who keep sending in your thoughts, theories, and ideas. You can keep sending those to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can stay in touch by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. say that thing you always say every week get right into it let's get right into it well mike let's get right into it buddy all right hello everybody and welcome back to truth and justice this is your friday follow-up episode 322 <laughs> why'd you what yeah i thought maybe we'd be a little more organic this time around start things off right you looked like you were taking a dive and uh i was there to catch you <laughs> so are we leaving that 322 in there Maybe taking a dive. Well, you slowed down there. I saw you look back at the board, like, you know, maybe looking for the number. Yeah, that's what I was doing. So, you know, you were taking a dive. I bailed you out, you know. So are we leaving now? No, you got to start it all over. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> man. I'll stop. I'll be quiet now. Because I usually don't say the number. I just, you know. You don't have to. I say this is your Friday follow-up, and I'm your host, Bob Ruff, is what I was going to say next. You don't have to say the number. Right. You did, though. Because you were going to. I, and I was not. Yeah, you were.
like your I can tell like your like your posture changed. Everything about you just changed. <laughs> like you just I don't know. I was just thinking with the first question, like this is gonna be like the Mike's Friday follow up. Like listener asks, Hey Bob, what's the answer to this? And then as I start to talk, you're like, Well, and here's the answer from Mike. You know? Well, here's you know, okay, there's actually hit pause. Uh, it doesn't matter. There's actually a reason why I said that because if mm. you read a lot of the questions on the follow uh, that I choose for the follow up are actually discussed in detail on the fan page. Uh huh. You and I discussed it a long time ago it, whether or not to still use those, even though there was a definite answer given to just about every one of these. Mm-hmm. That's why I said that because I want people to acknowledge that we know that it was discussed and answered on the fan page. Gotcha. Also, that you're not an idiot. Like, yeah, but at this point, because like that's true. It's well done because. You have to do it that way. Because if you didn't say that, people would be like, how does he work in that <laughs> office every day and, and not that... know the answer to that? Bob, do you know? Yeah. I have to allude to, like, it's almost like a recap of the recap right. from the fan page. So yeah. I have to allude to, yeah, we've already discussed this, you know, off mic, but let's bring it up on mic. Right. So there's a logic behind it, but it really, it just doesn't come out. Mike, listen, I got it, buddy. Let's. That sounds really good, except for, I'm not sure I like radishes. Well, you haven't had these radishes. <laughs> Are they some really good radishes? <laughs> we can talk about what they do with their vegetables, right? Well, that sounds really good, except for maybe the radishes. I'm not a, you like radishes? Love radishes. Why? Because they're spicy? They... <laughs> they add that extra spice to the meal. What the fuck do you want me to say about I, radishes, dude? Never mind. No, I mean, like, I mean, come <laughs> on. <laughs> oh, shit. We got a conference call in one minute, like two minutes. We got to get this done. Okay. Let me f- the radish line. Okay.